Welcome to another episode of Music Life Radio. I am your host, Dan Sauter. Music Life Radio is a free podcast available on iTunes and your interwebs at musicliferadio.com, and it features interviews and stories about and related to music. Welcome to Music Life Radio. My name is Eric Kaur from the band Gunpowder, and I'm here tonight with Tao P. Nguyen, who is a solo performer and is currently playing at the Impact Theater in Berkeley. The run will be finished when this airs, but I'm sure there will be something else coming up very soon. And Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I just have to throw out a few things that have come up. Uh, you are the... Solo performance black belt winner from <laughs> W. Kamau Bell mm-hmm. for 2012. Apparently, there's only four people that have ever won this award. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty epic. And some of the things that have been said about your show and some of the press, you've got quite a bit of press from the East Coast and West Coast. Uh, they referred to it as hilarious, heartrending, truly satisfying, theatrical, magic, terrifically performed. And as someone who's seen you perform, that is... Beyond accurate. You're an absolutely amazing performer. Hearing all that together is really humbling, actually. <laughs> well, it's you, you've earned it. You've earned it. And uh, so let's step back from all this now. Sure. And what got you interested in performing? And what, what actually sparked this for you? Oh, geez. Uh, so I was working at a nonprofit in San Mateo County. It was the Rape Crisis Center down there. And one of my coworkers was taking a class called the Solo Performance Workshop. And her name is Martha Reinberg. She's actually my current director. Okay. Anyhow, so she was taking the class, SPW, um, with W. Kamau Bell. And basically, you take the class for like eight to ten weeks. And at the end of the class, there's a performance. So she invited me to the performance. I saw the performance, and I got a tickle. Essentially, I was like, I just thought I wanted to try it. I saw these people performing on stage by themselves, telling their story with their voices and their bodies in really interesting ways. And all of them were really, really different. Uh, And I wanted to try it out. So I jumped into the solo performance workshop. Um, At the time, it was taught by W. Kamau Bell. And he's since, you know, moved to New York. He was actually living here teaching that. Yeah, yeah, he's been, he lived in San Francisco for many years. Like, oh, okay, for, I didn't know that. I yeah, thought yeah, he was, yeah. I actually thought he was from New York because I see his show sometimes. And yeah, so he's I think he's from like Chicago, and he moved out to San Francisco and he did stand up for ages, and then um, picked up directing solo performance and teaching solo performance, which makes sense to me. Like, a, like the energy that a stand up comic can bring mm-hmm. to solo performance is really uh, is it's 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 interesting, and he has a really uh, he has a knack for storytelling too in addition to, to, to the funny. Anyhow, so he lived in uh, San Francisco for a little bit, actually a long bit, and then he only moved out to New York recently to, to do his show Totally Biased on FX. Okay. Um, so I, was, I took the class with him, the solo performance workshop class with him originally, and then after a while, Martha Reinberg, um, who was directing his solo show, um, the W. Kamau Bell Curve, Ending Racism in About an Hour, um, she was directing him. I know it's so Great. freaking hilarious. She's uh, now teaching the solo performance workshop, and she's also now directing my okay. show. Okay. And where did you say this happens? 
So it's in uh, it's in the Bay Area. Okay. So sometimes the classes are in Oakland. Sometimes the classes are in San Francisco. Um, oftentimes it's at this little theater um, called Stageworks Underground Theater, which mm. is this awesome independent theater space in <laughs> in San Francisco. Oh, very um, cool. But it's not it's not based there. It often is there, just because the theater owner there um, is pretty badass. Her name is Ty McKenzie. She's she's pretty awesome. Cool. So for people who haven't seen you perform live yet, and I hope everybody who hears this does, because you are fantastic, is you do bring just this incredible vitality to the stage. And it's, I mean, when I saw you, it was a two-hour show, the, the Fortunate Daughter show that's running now. And I was captivated for two hours. Absolutely captivated, riveted. So how do you go from stepping into getting that little tickle to that place. Oh, yeah. Because it takes a lot to hold an audience the way you hold an audience. Yeah, well, one thing I did was like, I shortened it. <laughs> uh, it's now 75 minutes, um, which is a lot easier for me as a performer to hold that energy for that long. Um, but, okay, let's see. Let's, so I started and I took the class. And originally, when I first took the class, I wanted to tell a story about my grandmother, which is not what the show is about today. But that's kind of the way that art works. Um, it kind of takes a life of its own. So I took the class. It's like eight to ten weeks. And at the end of that class, I have a 15-minute piece. Um, so I performed my first piece, which was about my grandmother, for the first time. And I got a high from it that lasted, I am not joking, for two straight weeks. Like a, wow. a buzz. Of like, I wake up in the morning happier than I've ever been buzz that lasted for two freaking weeks. So <laughs> I decided that I needed to do it again because I'm chasing that high, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I continued to take a class for essentially three years straight. Like I continued to, to take the class over and over and over again, creating new 15-minute chunks. <clears throat> and then at the end of that time, Kamal just finally said, it's time, man. You have, too, <laughs> you have too many of these small little pieces. And he just was like, trust yourself. You have a show in all of these pieces. You have a show. It is connected because it's, you know, it's all through me, right? There is, there is a show there somehow. So, we, so he was my original director. And we took all these 15-minute pieces. I don't remember how many I had, like eight of them, maybe more. I'm not even sure. But we stitched them together in a way that makes sense. And we, we threw away some parts. We had to write new, new scenes to make the show make sense. And eventually, like, the themes of the show kind of emerged through the process of trying to find the show in the pieces that I had. So I didn't go out thinking, I will write a show about X. Mm -hmm. I just, um, I had all these different pieces. And as I was piecing the puzzle together, the picture emerged. Can you talk about, for our listeners, a little bit about what Fortunate Daughter is about to ground them? Oh, yeah. So, okay, my show is called Fortunate Daughter, uh, and the, the little tagliner subtitle is rather long. It's the secret to keeping your family happy is keeping your other family secret. A one-dike show about the difference between coming out and coming home. So that's yada, 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 a whole bunch of verbiage. Um, this, the short of it is the show is about being queer and Asian. So what is it like for me to be a part of my 
Vietnamese family and all that history and all that culture and all those personal ties and family ties and be queer Mm -hmm. and be a part of those connections of like the people that are of my, you know, additional family or my chosen family. And like, I, I mean, I think that San Francisco, I moved here for that. When I moved to San Francisco, I moved here for that reason to find queer culture and queer connections and queer family and queer community. Did you grow up down south? I forget where you grew yeah. up. Orange I grew, County area? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. In Southern California. Uh, so behind the orange curtain, is, as I've heard it referred yes. to. <laughs> is, that, is that curtain still in place? Yes, yes. It's a pretty conservative area. Yeah. Uh, even though I grew up in Santa Ana, which is the most liberal uh, city within Orange County, it is surrounded by very, very conservative. It's a uh, community, very Christian. Um, also... Strangely enough, very affluent. They're pockets, but it's it's a strange little pod <laughs> in California. It'd be kind of like growing up in the most liberal part of Texas, I guess. Right. <laughs> uh, liberal by uh, degree, but not that right. liberal. Right. Not like we experience it here. Right. Okay. Um, when you started out your performance, I remember one of the things we and we talked about this a little bit earlier is you you sang songs that many people who had lived through what is now classified as the Vietnam conflict, mm-hmm. not the Vietnam War, <laughs> because we didn't win, is uh, you, you actually sang a bunch of songs that related to that history, and then you took a little twist. And are you, would you be comfortable singing a little bit and giving us that twist? Because that was so cool, the way you did that, because I think for me, it just immediately put me in my seat and went, okay, I have to pay attention to every single Thing she says because this is not the ride that I whatever I think is going to happen is I have to let go and just be here for the ride right well okay let me give you a little bit of context so um so in the beginning of my show my show opens with me uh in a boat flo- floating up a river in the the Mekong Delta and when you say in the United States at least when you say the words Vietnam or Mekong, very specific images pop into mind because of the Vietnam War, now the Vietnam conflict apparently. That concerned me as an artist, that that would be in the room with me and everyone in the audience when that was not the story I wanted to tell, wanted to tell, or that story is different for me than for possibly the audience. Like my perspective is very, very different. Uh, so I needed <laughs> to slap the audience in the face a little bit <laughs> to say, um, whatever you you think is going to happen here, it's not. It's not that. Uh, I need you to 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 create a different like slot in your head for this show that is separate from all of those memories that you have. So what I what I do is I do this little montage where I have like uh, like Robin Williams. And it's not just music, it's also like clips from movies and all that kind of stuff, because that's really very, like Vietnam War movies were, it was a really big thing for a while, right? Um, so Robin Williams from Good Morning Vietnam, him screaming, Good Morning Vietnam! And then um, the, the character Bubba from Forrest Gump, listing all the, the different shrimp, you know, like shrimp kebab, shrimp gumbo, shrimp creole. And then, I forgot his name, but the dude from Apocalypse Now who says Marlon Brando, I don't, I don't remember who who plays it, but 
he says, I love smell napalm in the morning. Oh. While he's like telling everybody to go surf while like right. bombs are being blown up everywhere. And then of course I have um, from Full Metal Jacket, me so horny, me love you long time. Like that is like a classic line from a Vietnamese, right. like a, a Vietnam War movie. And then I move into the music with uh, Bob Dylan's version of Times They Are A-Changin'. And uh, Joan Baez's uh, version of How many roads must a man walk down? Uh, and, oh, I forgot the name of the band. Uh, the, the, you know, Ding. Buffalo Springfield? Yes. Yeah. Ding, there's something happening here. Right? And then... <laughs> Some more Bubba with more shrimp. <laughs> shrimp stew, shrimp soup, shrimp salad. And then I end with uh, Credence. Uh, Some folks are born made to raise a flag. Ooh, the red, white, and blue. Yeah. So <clears throat> I like, I name all these things very specifically. And they're, they're really, like I, I said them slowly here, but in the, in the show, they're rapid fire. Like mm-hmm. one interrupts the next. Like boom, 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 boom. To help the audience recognize, oh crap, I recognize those references. And one does bleed into the next. And whether I realize it or not, it is in the backdrop of my head when she, a Vietnamese body, is in front of me performing. That's going to be in the, back, in the background. So as an artist, what I was trying to do is like, okay, let's take it out of the background and set it aside. Let's acknowledge that it's there. And say, hey, <laughs> this is not, this, all that stuff doesn't have to do with my story. Or if it does, it has to do with it in a way that you don't expect. No, I, I was blown away when you did that. And I like that you wiped that slate clean. I like that you, you basically cleared that away and opened up that space for the actual show that was about to happen as part of the show, which was amazing. What's, what's fun about that piece is that for the folks who are for really familiar with that, uh, it serves as like a, oh, I need to check myself to make sure that I'm not bringing those assumptions. And for the folks who are like, for instance, Vietnamese, who have been constantly um, had those assumptions put on them, like that, in that moment, I'm not performing that section to them, but as witnesses to that section of the, to the, of the play, they are hopefully... Um, being validated their experiences of people assuming those things about them is hopefully validating to them so i'm hoping that that section is operating on multiple different levels and it's just kind of fun to see like a person like try to embody all of these things in rapid fire it's kind of like a, a weird thing to have all smashed together yeah it was almost like cultural machine gun fire because it was there right. was just bullet after bullet after bullet of culture and I, yeah, I, you know, I was, I'm old enough to remember all those references. I was like, wow, that's really intense. And each one of those references creates a picture, a scenario, a scene, and then it's pushed away. Right. And as a person who's my age, I was born after most of those things. Uh, like those, I didn't, I didn't live through them as the way uh, lots of people, like older folks, like experience them each of those things as their own in their own individual right i when i came to the united states they were essentially shot at me like i i didn't understand that i was supposed to know about these things 
like these references. Like I was not, ne- I was never a Vietnam War movie buff. You could imagine how weird that would be in my household to watch movies of a war that caused our yeah <laughs> our displacement, right? So that it was never a thing that happened in my family, but I was expected to know about them. Just out in the world, people would make references. I'm like, I'm supposed to know what this is. And it is, it's strange how people just take those things for granted and then overlay that to the different experiences. And that kind of gets into the, 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 the play, then you get into multiple themes. I mean, you have cultural themes, you have queer themes, you have uh, racism themes, and then there's a sensitivity that you wove these through that also I found really impressive and moving and touching because... You did it in a way that everybody stayed included. Everybody still had a space at the table with you. And do you want to talk about how you did that and how you navigate that? Because I can't imagine that was easy to... Am I making sense? Am yes. I being clear here? Am I, am, I, am I asking you to reveal too many secrets? No, there's no secrets. There's no secrets. <laughs> right. I think people can like, know about the show before they see the show. I think, so there's a couple of things. So my show, oftentimes people think that it's a coming out story show. And it is and it isn't. Um, that story has been told a lot. I'm not to say that that story doesn't need to be retold and from multiple different perspectives or whatever. But uh, my show has elements of that. But I also introduce other, other, other themes. I, for instance, for me, being a person who's queer and Asian, like queer and a person of color, we, like... Homophobia is not the only issue that that is impacting me on the the day to day. Um, I also face a lot of racism and xenophobia, and and those things are not necessarily separate. Like my experiences of homophobia are informed by the racism and xenophobia that I experience. So they're very very much interconnected, and in that way, I think it's a different kind of story. I think we need to understand how all those things are, are related because they feed into each other. And hopefully by understanding that better, we can like work against all kinds of, of oppression at once rather than thinking about things in silos, um, which I think we often do. Yeah, I think people often look at any single thing and just go, okay, we'll put this in this category. We'll put this in this category. This person will be here. This person will be that. And then, and I, and that's the intersection of all this is where people become really challenged. And, and I think it took a lot of courage for you to take on the intersections. I didn't know I was doing that until later. So I don't know if it's courage. <laughs> I didn't go out, set out to, to do it. It just kind of, it emerged as I continued to perform the show and the ways that people were resonating with it or um, butting heads with it. That's the, that's actually at the intersection that people were most interested. So that, that kind of blossomed out, um, that theme or the main thesis of the show kind of blossomed out of my interactions with people after them watching it. Um, But I think one of the things that people are surprised about the most is like me talking about racism um, within queer culture or homophobia within, you know, like my family culture or whatever it is when things get crisscrossed. And in particular, like, um, at the time, the, 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 the play is set in 2008. So that's when uh, President Barack Obama was elected for the first mm-hmm. time. 
And in that same election in California, Proposition 8, the ban on uh, gay marriage, uh, passed all, all in one fell swoop. And what surprises people when they see my show is that I take a look at a, a, a kind of queer organizing um, for the marriage equality, towards the marriage equality movement that um, participated in cultural appropriation, that participated in racist activities, um, that participated in tokenization of people of color and not really including them in the leadership. And <laughs> what is also surprising to people is that that part of my show is funny. <laughs> sure it is. The whole show just, it goes off. I mean, it, it really is. It's a roller coaster. It's, it's in a really fun way. I mean, it's, I found that I, was, I would be laughing and then I would be just feeling like incredibly emotional and, and just a, a real myriad of emotions. Well, I, what I really, I, so I like using humor. Uh, humor is, uh, I think, can play a really special role. Because if I, like, went out <laughs> into the street and says, like, who wants to come and have a discussion about racism and homophobia? Like, <laughs> I don't know how many people would sign on for that. I bet you could clear Union Square with that. <laughs> you, could, you could walk down there on a Sunday and be like, hey. Come on, everybody, let's right. just talk. Yeah, like real. Like if you want to talk about real issues in a hard way, like I think most people, even progressive San Francisco or Berkeley or wherever, uh, uh, even Oakland, I think some people would probably shy away from that. But humor has this like magical quality of bringing people together. Like if you can laugh together about a, a serious issue, I'm not making fun of people. I'm hopefully, I'm, I'm hoping that I'm not replicating stereotypes and all that kind of stuff. But if I'm, I'm using humor to critique how oppression works. I'm hoping that that gives us the opportunity to like just kind of let the air out of the and like have everybody like be a little bit more relaxed and like look at these issues in a, a, a real way, which has really been like great. Like having first originally W. Kamau Bell, mm -hmm. who, is, who is the master of bringing comedy as a way to talk seriously um, about racism. I mean, that's kind of a funny thing thing to say comedy to talk about um racism seriously he's he's really he's really uh he is brilliant i've seen some of his sketches right like he's he does it really really well yeah. um and again it's not he's not replication stereotypes and stuff like that he is making fun of racism and bringing things to light that we're like oh my god that is completely ridiculous that we do that or believe that or behave that way so it was nice to have a stand-up comic kind of help me navigate some of the heavier themes so that I could package it in a way that was accessible to people and actually invited people in to talk it, about it. And it, it makes it fun. Yes. And these aren't fun topics, but no, you made exactly. them fun topics. And, and that was really amazing. And same thing with once, uh, so Martha Reinberg was Kamau's director, and then she, I brought her on to direct my show once Kamau moved out to New York. And she also is... Uh, she's a solo performer, and she's also a, a comic. She does a lot of improv stuff, uh, too. And she's she was brilliant um, with weaving in comedy. And and again, it's not comedy for comedy's sake. Both of them, W. Kamau Bell and Martha Reinberg, are very, very much invested in the story. The story is the most important thing. So how can we use these tools like comedy or narrative or whatever it is, or character development, all that kind of stuff, in order to to really represent that story 
um, as close to my truth as possible with some funny ha-has yeah. along uh, the way. When you did t- tell these stories, you did it in a way where everybody, you were respectful and loving to the entire scenario. It wasn't, you weren't playing one group against another or one theme against another theme. It's everybody, there was still an inclusivity to it. And that was just really, it was amazing. I mean, it was really, again, if people haven't seen it, will you be doing more of the show? I'm hoping to. So right now I'm finishing up my run over at Impact Theater in Berkeley. And I'm hoping that I can do like a university tour. Oh, that'd be really cool. Of it. Um, because of the people, of all the people who are responding to the show, the people who touch me the most are the young mm-hmm. folks who are just like, I have never seen anything like this or I have never heard anyone talk about this in this way. And, and I think it's mostly because I remember what it's like to be that age. And for me, I was really lost and really scared and did not realize that there were communities out there for me to connect to. I, mean, I was too scared to even look and reach out. Oh my gosh, I remember I, when I first moved to San I wasn't out in college. I didn't come out until right after college. And I moved to San Francisco <laughs> to, you know, explore <laughs> queerness. So uh, I remember driving on 19th Avenue, somewhere near Sloat. And there was this park with a sign uh, with a banner that says, this is the picnic for the, you know, I don't remember the organization actually. Probably Stern Grove. It was, no, it was just north of there. Okay. It was just north of there. But yeah, it's near there. Okay. So there was this banner that said it was, I don't remember the name of the organization. It was like a, a, a Asian Pacific Islander queer mm-hmm. group. And I had the urge to just pull over, but I couldn't. I just couldn't. I was terrified. And then eventually I got over that fear and was like, oh, duh, they're, they're there for me. Like that's the, that's the whole point yeah. of their organization. So I, I, I could relate though. It's, I had those fears. Where it's, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, so like, I remember that, that feeling. And I remember, and when students and young folks come up to me and they're in that place, I relate. So I'm interested in doing university's tours because I remember that young me and how scared I was. And like, I just, I probably just needed a little bit of a nudge. That would be really cool. We'll see. I'm trying to contact uh, uh, universities. I've done some university performances, Mm -hmm. but I'd like to actually do a, a tour tour. Sounds exhausting, but also really exciting. I think it could be pretty amazing. Yeah. I have a preference for shows that don't have a bad guy. Mm. Because I don't believe in good guys and bad guys. I just really don't. Like, I mean, out in the world, I might, like, make some jokes about those blank, blah, blah, blah. But I don't, I really, like, I think when I really think about it at my root, I don't think that there are, we can't divide people up that way. And even... Because if we do, it's like, what the heck is the point? We're not going to solve everything, uh, anything, if we divide people up in that way. And I really do think that most people are really well-meaning, and we just don't understand each other's perspectives, and that causes a lot of big, major problems. So in my show, there's, I try not to have distinct good guys and distinct bad guys. I try to make my characters as dynamic and whole and human and three-dimensional as possible that's really cool i remember uh, a couple of years ago kind of a little tangent here when you did another project uh buddha loves you oh yeah you want to talk <laughs> about that at all oh my god i love that i, re- I want to revive that that was like one of the i mean you could actually if you were doing a tour and you got somebody to, to document you i know you could be, be doing your show every night 
and doing Buddha loves you every During day. During the day, yeah. I mean, mind you, with security in certain places, but. But still, I mean, it wasn't, so, okay. So, uh, I, I live in San Francisco and on Powell Street, but also throughout San Francisco, but on Powell Street, there's uh, a regular group of folks that have signs up or, or comes every now and again that have signs that say, like, Jesus loves you right next to homosexual sin, <laughs> right next to, um, you know, uh, you will burn in hell or whatever if you don't repent your, you know, gay ways. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> There's usually some street corner preachers out there, too. Right. And, you know, a couple of bullhorns occasionally. And- yes. Yes, exactly. Um, with T-shirts that say, gay, G-A-Y, got AIDS yet. Like, really horrific things to have to be exposed to. Um, so, <laughs> I, uh, I, I got myself a little sign, and I wrote, Buddha loves you, on it. Um, I got myself a step stool and a bullhorn, and I went to Powell Street, and I plopped my stool, stool down, stood up on it, and stuck up my sign, Buddha loves you, and just smiled. I was, I was, I was too, I was, I was, I didn't, <laughs> not until later in the afternoon that I start using the bullhorn, but I just sat there, I mean, I just stood there and smiled, uh, and it was, it was, it was really interesting to be out there all day. Well, what, what kind of reactions did you get? Well, so the first thing was, the Jesus loves you guys um, were surprised to see me, <laughs> needless to say, and one of them, like, was clearly angry that I was there and in their space. I mean, this is public space. It is not their space. Well, if I could mention also just for the listeners is this is a, a public transit hub. hub yeah. Is you have the Bay Area Rapid Transit has a, has a stop there, which goes throughout the whole San Francisco Bay Area. You also have Muni, which is the San Francisco City trains. Mm-hmm. You have the bus lines and you have the cable cars all meeting here and tourists from all over the world and always beyond just the, the typical cast of characters, just a plethora of right. people. I mean, like, especially with like, there's all that. And especially with the trolley car, which is such a tourist attraction. So I had an international audience. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> so, okay. So the first, so the first, one of the first reactions that I noticed was this, one of these Jesus loves you guys comes with his sign, comes, walks up to me. And I'm on my stool, and uh, I'm I'm only five foot one, and so when he comes up to me, we are actually eye to eye. So I am very at this point very grateful that I have my stool <laughs> because he clearly was trying to push me off my my stool, yeah, like that it was step, my step stool. Like he was like he got his face really close up to mine, and I said to my in my head, "Don't step down, don't step down." He's just trying to intimidate you. He's not actually going to do anything. He is trying to get in my space and intimidate me, but I I just had to have faith that. He wasn't actually going to physically assault me, although I was scared. And he just kept on asking me questions about Buddhism and like why it's better than than Christianity. And I'm like, I never, I'm not claiming that it's better. Like, I don't know why you're like attacking me and arguing me about this point that I, I didn't say Buddha loves everybody but Jesus. Like, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> My sign says Buddha loves you. And like, if Jesus can love you, how about like, why can't Buddha love you? Right, so I'm trying to like keep a straight face the whole time and just answer as you know, as sincerely and in quote unquote character as possible, like my Buddha loves you character, which I hadn't decided ahead of time. The only thing I had decided that I was was that I would have a pleasant demeanor, right? I didn't know what my character would be, so I just kept on 
just trying to be pleasant to, to him and answer his questions as honestly as possible. Um, and eventually he walks away and I'm relieved because like, I mean, he like, he was so close to my face. He spat on me a couple, not like he wasn't spitting on oh, me. Oh, like spittle. Yeah, spittle. Yes, yes. He didn't, yeah. If the, he had spit on me, this would have been a different conversation. The, the, the passion spittle, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, which like is a special kind of spittle. Right. <laughs> Apparently <laughs> people get healed from that kind of spittle. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I guess so. You may have been baptized. You know, like that, right? <laughs> with, with, with Jesus loves you spittle. Yeah. So he walks away. So I'm, I'm relieved. So the second reaction that I get is that just people are just looking at me. Like trying to understand how I'm related to the Jesus loves you people, because like they they just there's just so many at that 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 particular day there are so many people with signs out because they weren't the only Jesus loves you people. The guy who was attacking me was in a group, and he was standing outside of the Forever Twenty One, which makes me laugh so hard. But there was also two other guys with Jesus loves you signs that were unrelated, um, but nearby, and then there was me. So they just assumed that we all got here together in a, some kind of religious convention. Like this is just a normal thing that <laughs> right. happens every day. Is, uh... <laughs> like the religious people come out with their signs. Uh, so people come up to me like, what's happening today? I'm like, it's a lot of love today. <laughs> 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 like they, they just assumed it was like a special day. I was like, no, no, no. It's just, I just decided to come out today. Like, Welcome to San Francisco. Right. Um, so that's the third thing, which I loved, was that all of the tourists, from all over the world and all over the United States who are waiting in line to ride on the cable car, you know, busted out their cameras and their phones, videotaping me, like taking pictures. And I was just like, oh, this is so San Francisco. Yeah, sure, the Jesus loves you guys. But like the fact that there was also a Buddha loves you person there is very, very like street performance San Francisco. And I was giving them their San Francisco tourist experience. <laughs> it's funny because I was actually part of a labor rally once in Union Square and tourists were pulling, tourist bus were pulling up. They were coming out asking if they could hold our signs and picket oh with us God. so they could videotape themselves as part of our picket. And we needed warm bodies. So we, of course <laughs> the answer was yes, but it was so, it was just so bizarre. It's like, uh, you know, who are we to say no? Right. It's, it's pretty funny. Um, and this is the funniest thing. I was on YouTube once and I just like, it just occurred to me, like all those people videotaped me. I wondered if anyone actually ended up posting it and they did. The, at least I found, <laughs> I found at least one and the comment was like, there was this strange Buddha loves you girl at Powell. Like here she is. And there's a 30 second clip right. of me <laughs> like standing outside of. The, you know, the trolley station. <laughs> you should do a Kickstarter thing to get the Buddha Loves You Girl right. to your town. <laughs> Please donate. Yeah. That, that way you can fund your college exactly. tour. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. Um, but that was, that was fun. Immediately, um, I didn't have, like, some, you know, big, huge, lofty goals in that performance. I just wanted to draw attention to those folks that, I guess we see, I see them there often. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of like tune them out and walk by. But they're doing something there. They're a part of that, that space. And we allow them to be there, for lack of a better word. We collectively mm -hmm. tolerate them. Or, like, they, I mean, there's some things that they say I, that I really avidly do not believe and disagree with and, like, is hurt, hurtful to well, me. There's some people out there that, with bullhorns, say some incredibly right. offensive things. 
Um, and not, I want to say that very clearly that not all of them are like that. Yeah. There are a handful that literally only hold up a sign that say, Jesus love you, Jesus loves you, and like stand there just pleasantly, right? And then there, so there's multiple different kinds of this performance. And then there's the people who are clearly homophobic and saying things about death to, to people who identify the way I do and all that kind of stuff, which is hurtful. Anyways, I just wanted to check out and draw attention to that. Like, these people are here, and we allow them to be here. We often don't contest what they, they say. Or I don't. I often just, like, grumble and say, ah, there they are. And walk by and get to wherever I need to be. Like, in Union Square or whatever. Yeah, I'll be honest. The last thing I want to do is engage. Yeah. No, I don't either. Yeah. So I, I figured I found a way to engage that was fun for me. <laughs> now, did you ever pull out the bullhorn? I did. I did. So if you go to uh if you go to my website, it's taosolo.com, T H A O S O L O dot com. There's a little clip. So I did for a long time I didn't use a bullhorn because I just think it's it's just loud and obnoxious. Mm. And I'm I was trying to be pleasant. Um but I did pull out the bull, pull bull bullhorn um toward the end of the day, uh just to try to test out what it would be like to proselytize Buddhism. Which is weird because I, I don't think, think I've ever heard anybody do that. Before. Yeah, like by most uh, Buddhist beliefs, it's like that's not that is not a tenant. Like you're not really supposed to make people Buddhist. Like that's not the goal <laughs> of Buddhism. Um, <clears throat> What's well, not in the business of soul saving either? Like kind not of in the same Christianity way. would right. be where it's they they actually feel that they're compelled to. This is something they have to do. Right. Right. So uh, I just came up with some some lines about the unending cycle of of reincarnation and how we're all stuck in this cycle. And to to I was trying to use that same kind of tone of voice of like be saved. And like in order to to break out of this cycle, you should become enlightened and follow the path of Buddha. And I was like, all of it did not sit well in my stomach and in my mouth. It was just like it was weird to be like trying to reform Buddhism. Uh, in a proselytizing way. So you were using their style. I was to, trying to. I, I mean, like, it was a bullhorn. It's kind of like... I've never heard preachy Buddhism. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, oh, actually, I have, unfortunately. I mean, it's just like any other religion, right? Yeah. There's the whole spectrum of people who um, are the leaders of it. And I've met a few that have been a little bit proselytizing. And I don't, I don't enjoy their company. <laughs> um, but yeah, I tried. I tried that tone of voice and... I was like, mm, that's not very Buddhist. <laughs> <laughs> I think at the end, I, I, I literally say that. I don't, I don't think that's in the video that's online. But and after I started, I was screaming this thing and trying to use their tone of voice of like this, this angry, saving tone of voice. Rah, 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 right? And at the end, I'm like, wait a second. This is not very Buddhist. I'll stop now. <laughs> that would be an awesome performance to take from town to town. I think, I think, I think it would be interesting to see how people respond. So originally when I uh, uh, was thinking about how to do Buddha Loves You, I thought it'd be fun to do like a whole pantheon. So with lots of different religions and from all, you know, all from all over the world. So in addition to, you know, the, the, we would include the Christian folks because they were already there <laughs> at Powell. But Buddhism, Hinduism, like someone who's Muslim from, you know, religion of Islam and like, as many as we could possibly find and just have them all lined up. Um, and all everyone has a whatever 
deity or whatever it is mm-hmm. loves you just for kicks be because fun. we because we see that Jesus loves you signs all the time um and we don't see all the other ones as often makes me think of uh I had this friend who who his dream was to play professional football only because he wanted to score a touchdown and at the end at, in the interview he wanted when they asked him well how did you do this this was amazing well, I really just want to thank Thor, the god of thunder. <laughs> he was an atheist. He's like, I'm so sick of hearing people thanking God and Jesus. He's like, I want to thank Thor. You know? Thor's a good one. That was definitely the funnest part about it, is that people would just literally come up to me, make eye contact with me, and laugh. You know, and then walk on. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly, I, I love that response. That's exactly what I wanted. I, I think it's brilliant. I love it. So now, let's uh, let's say the college tour is done. It's a huge success. You're talking to Terry Gross and NPR. <laughs> the next stop, I'm sure. And the Buddha loves you is a hit. Where would you like to be? What would you like to do if, when you're in that position? I like to identify as like the AAA. I'm like an artist and an activist and an academic. So, like, I think my dream job would be to teach for one semester and tour for the other semester so that I'm constantly performing. Mm-hmm. And I'm also constantly teaching and researching um, as well and contributing in, in that way and all within the social justice framework, mm-hmm. right? So both my performance and my academic work. Uh, so that would be, that's, like, my dream job. But, like, a more... Uh, I guess short-term goal is that I, I'm working on my next uh, solo show, and I'm not even sure if it's going to be a solo show, but I'm working on my next show. Uh, so on my on my website, there's a page for links, mm-hmm. and in particular, there's a page for doppelgangers. There are a ton of town of winds oh. out in the world. I mean, you should just go to the site because it's hilarious. Um, so doctors, gymnasts photographers, um, artists, uh, textile artists, visual artists, um, musicians like Tao from the Get Down, Stay Down. There's a, also another Taunawin composer. Uh, I think she's out in the UK, but uh, uh, I don't remember. This is not an original idea, but I wanted to interview a whole bunch of Taunawins and just kind of capture the Vietnamese diaspora. Because after 1975, that was the first time that Vietnamese people really like lived abroad in this way. There's so many of us all over the world. Like I just recently had a family reunion where people came in from Australia, from all over Canada, um, all over Europe, like Germany and Denmark and France, um, all over the United States, from like Arizona, Texas, Louisiana, Boston. Uh, Northern California, Southern California, Oregon State, Washington State. I mean, like, really, like, just my family alone, like, is scattered all over the world now. Like, every single freaking continent, almost, for my family. But I know Vietnamese people exist all over the world. So I want to interview all the town winds to see if I can find some kind of story about the Vietnamese diaspora uh, and use those interviews and convert them into monologues and perform them. And my hope is that my, the show will be bilingual. Mm. That in both Vietnamese 
and in English, and then it'd be subtitled. Or in theater, I think they supertitle it. Sometimes they put it above stage um, in both Vietnamese and English so that folks who speak are monolingual Vietnamese and monolingual English can can enjoy all the monologues. Uh, I don't know what specific theme I'll find, but I bet you I'll find something. It's kind of how that that kind of works. You talk to enough people, some things will stop popping out. And again, like I said before, it's not um, an original idea. There's, have you heard of, I think it's called the Grace Kim Project. It's, it's a film. Uh, I believe it's a film. It's a documentary. And it was this woman, Grace Kim is a very, very, very common name. And this woman went around interviewing a whole bunch of Grace Kims. And, you know, again, like a story emerged about the Korean diaspora. So I'm interested in that. We'll see. Um, right now, it's just a list of links of doppelgangers on my page. <laughs> okay, so that sounds like a really cool idea. Yeah, I'm no, I I'm fascinated to see what comes out, and maybe it's nothing, but um, I doubt it. And then another project that I'm interested in is just taking a look at um, a similar project where I just want to interview a whole bunch of queer uh, people of color, um, just to get our voices and our stories out there. But I don't know it, that one has less shape right now. I'm still, that's just a seed, mm-hmm. like pre-seed. Know what precede is <laughs> uh, of an it's idea. In your eye. <laughs> I think it's in your right eye at the moment. I see it there. So there's also there's also that I'm interested in that, um, but I, I think I need to to chew on that one a little bit more. Cool. One thing that really struck me at the end of your show is and I, I don't think I've ever seen a performer do this, and I thought that was it was so cool. Is you actually did this amazing intense emotional performance and then you said if there's someone who wants to collaborate with me talk with me if people want to work together on something people have ideas oh that was such a cool way to end it it was such a it because so many times and it's and it's this the, the the normal way that people end things like this is the spotlight that that diva moment (laughs) and then everybody leaves right and what you did is you took that space again, just like you did in the beginning, and you gave us a dynamic we weren't expecting. At the end, that was not a dynamic I was expecting because I've never seen that dynamic before. Oh, really? So I, so at the, so it's the end of my show. I like after my show, my yeah. my show is done, and at the curtain speech, I, I, I said, um, like, is that if anyone's interested in collaborating in any way, because <laughs> I was just starved for connection. Doing a solo show, the reason why I said all that is doing a solo show is lonely. And it's not to say that a solo show is done by one person. That is not the, the case. I need, I, need, I need a venue. <laughs> I need a tech. I need my director. I need a lighting designer. I mean, like a solo show. It's called a solo show, but that is such a misnomer. Like, it takes a huge amount of people to make a solo show, show work. Like, all the way down to, like, people who usher your, you know, the audience in and your like your box office person, like none of your show can happen without those people or like, you know, like taking out the trash at the end of the night. I mean, like everything, like there's so many different details that go into making a show happen. Um, But the creative part is in the performing part, definitely is relatively lonely. I mean, it's literally just me on the stage (laughs) and it's a lot. It's all, that's a lot of work and it's a lot of energy to drum up every single night. Um, for 75 minutes. So I was just 
feeling lonely. <laughs> and I was Have like, you done much collaborative work? So I'm so I you know there's there's I've got actually people came up to me, um, and we're like there's seeds of ideas again mm-hmm. uh, of how to how to work together. So for instance, you know, a group of solo performers are getting together, uh, thinking about how to to piece together our shows um, or come up with like um, some kind of like smorgasbord kind of show where you, you can see multiple different solo performers. Um, also, I started working with um, some other queer and trans people of color. Um, and it's not just solo performance. Um, we're working on a show called Reveries and Rage. Um, specifically, this particular, the first, the opening show, we're hoping that it will be a series, but uh, the opening show is about stories on colonization and survival. Um, and that's going to come out hopefully in October of 2013 at the Women's Building in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And it'll be just a one-off just to see how it goes. Just a one-time, one show with a whole bunch of different artists who are solo performers and comics and uh, poets and spoken word artists and musicians. Uh, kind of just the whole gamut of people who want to respond to this, uh, the topic of colonization and survival. Um, so I'm, I just want to see how that, you know, you know comes together. Uh, it's exciting. Uh, and kind of nerve-wracking to work with so many people from dif- so many different mm-hmm. mediums. But uh, it's there's many ways to answer that question, right? So oh, we'll see how that goes. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know about it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's really cool. If we're back at that interview stage, remember I took you before? Sure. Is my, my, my next question for you is, if you could work with anyone. Oh, my God. Anyone to collaborate, who would it be? And it could be multiple people. Oh my gosh! Well, uh, people who I currently work with, mm-hmm. I'm very, very lucky to have been able to to work with them. So Martha Reinberg mm-hmm. would be on my team. Debbie Kamau-Bell would be on my team, and some of my other solo performance friends like Vanessa, Khalil. Uh, but people outside of my reach, current reach, mm-hmm. the first person who comes to mind is Anna Devere Smith. Yeah. Uh, so she's you know she's a solo performer. Also, she's she's a trained actor. Like she was in The West Wing, and uh, she also wrote um, Twilight um, and Fires in the Mirror, which are both solo shows. And Let Me Down Easy versus Twilight the series. No, 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 not that. No, no, very different Twilight. I know. Very I just, different. I, I think I just to clarify <laughs> that. You know? right. No, that's important. That's important. People, um, people listening, going, oh, so Tao is a thing for werewolves and vampires. No, okay. I, I do, but sparkly <laughs> people. I'm more of a zombie uh, person, but uh, anyhow, uh, so she's a very, very brilliant actor and also a documentary theory, theater person where mm-hmm. she goes out and interviews people and learns their words. And through learning their words and performing their words, she uh, connects to them in very, very deep ways and communicates those people to her audience in very deep ways. And her work, the reason why I'm attracted to her work is that she looks at all those intersections. Mm-hmm. Like, what does it mean to be multiple different identities at once? And, how, what, and it's all contextual. What does it mean to be that person in that body in this world? Uh, and I, I have found her work very, very moving. And she is incredibly skilled as an actor. And I could learn tons from her. Uh, so if, if, 
if you're out there. <laughs> she's out there somewhere. Right. I mean, it's... Right. So that she's the first person who comes to mind. I'm sure there are ton, tons of others that I'm missing, but she's the one that's screaming out in front of me. She plays. So here's what's interesting about her. She plays multiple different characters, of many different genders, of many different sexualities, of many different cultures and races. And she does it in a way that is not stereotypical, that doesn't minimize, you know, who they are. She doesn't ever do caricatures. She really does look into the depths of a character and tries to, to truly embody them, uses her body to, to channel them, I guess. I don't know. Like, I don't know how she would describe it. And I don't want it to make it sound super woo-woo, but it is kind of remarkable, the transformation that she's able to take. Um, <clears throat> vocally, facially, physically, all of it, with not that much, there's no like prosthetics on her face. There's no, um, there's not that much costuming. She really does, does it, the work in her body. So it is, yeah, it's phenomenal, her ability, her acting ability. Is there anything we haven't talked about that you want to talk about? Oh, geez. Ice cream? I don't know. Mitchell's, <laughs> Mitchell's in San Francisco is my favorite. You know their secret? Heavy freaking cream. Double cream. Oh my god! Yeah. So like, so I live near Mitchell's, and oh, I always, okay. I always warn people when I take them there, if you're not already lactose intolerant, this ice cream will make you <laughs> lactose intolerant. Uh, it is so good. It is amazing. Um, but I, I need, I'm, I'm lactose intolerant, so I need to bring my lactate, and, and you know, make sure I prep for Mitchell's ice, Mitchell's ice cream. Uh, and I like, and I'm like, I'm a, I'm a very, sim- I'm very simple with ice cream. I, I generally just like the chocolate. I just, I, I'm re- pretty boring. I don't venture too far. I'll taste the other ones when I, but I finally, when I order my scoop, it's usually chocolate. But at Mitchell's, I, I, I order the Mexican chocolate because, you know. It's got a little bit of cinnamon in it, right? Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Anyhow. That's cool. So, that's so awesome. You know Mitchell's. Oh, I, I actually tell my students to go to Mitchell's. It's so good. And then they come back, they're like. Wow, that changed my life. <laughs> I didn't think ice cream could do that, but it can do that. So, well, thank you so much for coming on. Oh gosh, tonight. thank you for inviting me. Uh, could you mention your website one more time? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. you. Uh, so it's taosolo dot com. T H A O S O L O dot com. Cool. Yeah. So and go there. I I post all my upcoming shows there. Also some clips are there if you're interested and descriptions and um, reviews of my show and all that kind of stuff. So just, you know, peruse, peruse at will. And if there's a town new one who's not already on your list, they can add themselves to the doppelganger or do they have yes. to email you first? No, 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 no. They, 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 uh, they can, well, yes, they can email me. So okay. I just, I've, I, I, this, this list is created by me. So I went and trolled the internet, try to find other town new wins. But if other folks want to be on that list, please, I want that list to be as long as, as as freaking possible so cool. uh, send me a note i'll gladly add you right on well thank you so much thank you Eric.